So we'll start with uh, announcements. Since I'm standing here, I think we'll do men's ministry. Um, you were alerted last week uh, that we did have the M6 event that was here at the church a few weeks ago released on YouTube. If you haven't taken advantage of looking that over, that's a uh, terrific representation of what occurred here that night. Uh, moving forward, two weeks from yesterday, Saturday, December the 9th, men will meet in the parking lot here at 7.30, and we're going to take an excursion down to Bass Pro in Rancho Cucamonga. If you are an outdoors person of any measure, there is something for you in that area. There's a creek that runs through the store full of fish. I have it on good authority because I called and checked it out. Santa Claus will be in the house from open to close. So you dads that would love to demonstrate your spiritual leadership in your home, take your young children to see Santa, do some shopping, give mom a break. But if mom wants to go, you're welcome to go too, if the whole family would love to go. Uh, this event is costing the church nothing. We're driving on our own, we're eating on our own, everything's happening on our own. But what are we doing down there? We're going to take God's love as a church family, men, families, whatever it takes, and we're going to share God's love with people at Bass Pro by being polite and kind to the guy that doesn't bring the right shoe size out and people at the counter and people that are waiting. We're just going to be a representative of Jesus Christ in the marketplace as we go out. Might get some Christmas shopping done. Oh, and we'll eat pastrami at the hat right across the street from the Bass Pro when we're done. With an entire fair, they have everything but like salad or healthy stuff. There's none of that. But there's all kinds of other stuff that's going on. It's really, really, really good. So I want to just bring your attention to that. So uh, Kathy, she's got something far more serious than pastrami to discuss. And shorter. We haven't had a hug And yet. shorter. Oh. Okay, this is just a quick reminder that we are having our Women's Ministry Christmas Brunch this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, and we'd like you all to come. Uh, there's lots of you who have signed up already. Uh, there's a few that have signed up online. I tried to reply to those, but that doesn't work. So you are signed up if you have um, signed up online. Um, and we just love for you to come and bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring someone in your family. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. We have a lot of food. We're going to have some games, uh, have a few gifts that we're going to make for other people. So it should be a lot of fun and great time to be together and bringing people together too. So thank you. Betty is next. Good morning. Um, triple C. This is time of the year to start thinking about and that's continue. It's triple C. <laughs> Every year for years, we have made up a basket of all kinds of things that all of these people that live there, the men and the women, that we put in a basket for them so they can um, just have a nice gift from, from all of us. And the things that we need is small items, the hand lotion, chapstick, shampoo, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush, only the single wrap toothbrush, and hair clips for the ladies, and any little things like that. If you could bring them and put them in the trunk, you know our famous trunk out there we fill up? Let's fill it. Well, we can't really fill it up all these small things, but let's do the best we can. So thank you for helping us with this, and if you have any questions, see me after church. Thank you, Betty. Um, just a couple of final announcements. Um, we partner with uh, Prison Fellowship every year uh, to participate in their Angel Tree Ministry. This is an opportunity to buy Christmas gifts 
for children of uh, incarcerated men or women uh, who either aren't there or perhaps don't even have the financial resources to kind of uh, do things for their kids. So next Sunday, uh, Aubrey Norris, who's not here today, I don't see her back there, um, is going to have 13 little cards that we get from... uh, uh, pr- a prison fellowship for Angel Tree, and you can take one of those cards. It's very specific about the name and the age of the child, and even some of the things that the child wants. So we have 13 of those. We'd love to give them all away next Sunday. So be prepared. We'll remind you next Sunday, but just telling you in advance. So Angel Tree, Aubrey, 13 next Sunday. Um, lastly, is our Christmas Eve series uh, service Christmas falls on a Monday uh, this year, and typically we have an evening Christmas Eve service, but because Christmas Eve day is now Sunday, we're actually going to do the Christmas Eve service Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So there is not going to be a Christmas Eve evening, Sunday evening service like we would normally do on the day before Christmas. So uh, Christmas Eve service, candlelight, all the different things that we do in that Christmas Eve service are going to take place Sunday morning, the 24th at 10 a.m. here. Well, good morning. Before we jump into it, uh, Randy, I don't think we mentioned registration. Today's still registration, right? Yes, Jordan, uh, gentlemen, we would like to encourage you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we showed some wonderful slides of uh, Soli Business. It's a men's retreat. Next one is March 8th, and uh, it fills up really, really quickly. And so uh, today is the start of registration. Online opens up at 2 p.m. And so, gents, we would highly recommend that you consider it, pray about it, ask a friend to go with you if you want. Um, But today, 2 p.m., if you have more questions, talk to Randy or Bill. Yes, Randy has a link. Um, But today it does fill up really quickly, so I encourage uh, all of you to, uh, to really look at it. And talk to them. Right, great, great event. So we're going to continue. Uh, in November, we have really been looking at this. This is a Bible. Amen. All right, we have, we have come all the way back to the fundamentals as we're wrapping up 2023, moving into 2024. We've come to the place as a church family where we hold this up and I say to you, this is a Bible. This is a Bible. 66 books, 40 different authors from fishermen to kings, written over 1,500 years, three continents, three languages, all with a common theme of God's love and plan of salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. This is a Bible, unlike any other book on this planet, right? Best-selling book on the planet consistently year after year, right? And we have been looking at it from a perspective as a church family of of its priority, its preeminence, its authority, and really answering the question, why is it when you come here to the well every Sunday that we open and we preach and we teach from the Bible? And if you didn't know, the word Bible simply means book. See, some of you just learned something. You're like... I was today's years old, right? How's it going? Right? There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. For those of you who like little math helps, 3 times 9 is 27. So 39 in the Old, 3 times 9 is 27 in the New Testament, which gives us a grand total of... 66 books, letters, right? All in one book called the Bible, Bible, right? And I'm going to give you back your Bible, right? And so we've been been asking the question, you know, what is it and why is it so important to us, right? Because I've also brought this today, and uh, I keep, I have many pieces in my office over here, and this is a sword, in fact, this is a Roman sword. It's a replica of a Roman sword, pretty hefty, right? It's called a gladius. This is a, this is a sword you'd often see if you watch Roman uh, movies and all of this. This is a gladius. But it's very interesting because in Ephesians 6, it tells us to take the sword 
of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So there's the Bible, but the Bible tells us that the Bible itself is a sword. Is a sword. And we're going to look at this in the context of why this matters to us as a church, that every Sunday when you come here, whoever's up here, that you will hear from the Word of God because it's authoritative, because we are the pillar and buttress of truth, right, with all the things, because it's beneficial, you get blessed through obedience. We've seen all of that the last few weeks. But today we're going to see that you will come here to the well week in and week out, and you will hear someone preach from the Word of God because this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the sword of the Spirit, right? In fact, in Ephesians 6, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Back in 2021, we walked through that passage and we looked at all the pieces of armor, right? And this one we came to was the sword of the Spirit and we have a picture of our Roman centurion, right? And we walked through all those, the helmet, the breastplate, the shield, the sword of the Spirit, like the gladius. In fact, it was called the sword that conquered the world. 20 to 30 inches long, about two pounds. Sharpened on both sides. It's both offensive and defensive. Right? And so when you come here, we open the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Because Ephesians 6, that passage we just read, tells us very clearly that we're in warfare. You and I as believers, there's a war going on. And it's very interesting because it's one of those things that we tend to not, either we, we shy away from it, maybe we're just not educated about spiritual warfare, maybe we live in denial about it, I'm not sure. But it's not something that's really maybe spoken of as much as it should be within the church. Because Ephesians 6 says, says we are in a war against evil, against powers and principalities of darkness. There are demons. There is a devil. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have put your faith in Jesus, you and I are public enemy number one. And Ephesians 6 says we're to put on the full armor of God, which includes the word of God, the sword of the spirit. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8 in the New Living says this, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is serious. It doesn't say that the devil is looking for someone to mess with, to irritate, to bother, to hinder, to annoy. No, the devil wants to devour and destroy you and your marriage and your kids. It's not a game. It's not a game. And sometimes, you know, around here we laugh and it's great and we, we joke a lot around here and we really celebrate the joy of the Lord, right? And, and, and we should continue to do that. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But we can never forget that Scripture itself says there is a devil who wants to devour you. And I think after doing this in 30 years that one of the devil's schemes is to minimize himself to maybe hide behind things. You know, a, lot of, a lot of times you'll see pictures of, of a scary devil, right? And, and 
I, I really don't think that that's his primary strategy because if the devil showed up all scary and monster looking and horror film looking, he knows he would probably scare you right to Jesus. The devil is slick. The devil is cunning. He's not going to come at you and scare you to Jesus. He's going to go the, the other way. But it's all the same intent to devour you, to destroy, literally destroy you, and take joy in that. Take joy in that. It's not just pastors that, are, that have the targets. It's every single believer, because every single believer in here is involved in this community at work. If he can destroy your testimony at work, at home, in front of your friends and family, well then, that's what they'll do. And they will do anything within their means to make that happen. Anything. And so when we talk about the sword of the Spirit, you know, it is serious. It is serious. If you were to actually come up and hold this, actually, Reagan, come up here a sec, buddy. I know you're excited. <laughs> Just kind of feel the weight of that. Right? Yeah, I sh- I, this right? I share this because, Reagan, it has been our joy and privilege to see this young man really come to know the Lord <laughs> and grow and blossom and, and become a student of the Word and love the Word. And, and I had a feeling, I was like, when I was studying, I'm like, I got to bring Reagan up here. <laughs> because I knew you would appreciate I wear the armor of God every day. You got an armor of God bracelet. Look at you, see? (laughs) And so I share this with you because it's hefty, right? I mean, there's some weight behind that. Thank you, buddy. Right? And And I share this because when you hold this, suddenly... It's not like funny games, and 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 you kind of go, man, that that was serious. I don't know what it was like, but it must have been horrific in warfare for the guys to be wielding these in life and death situations. It's very sobering. And, and I share that with you because when we talk about the Word of God here, it's easy, again, to tuck it away into, like, book knowledge and take notes and everything like that. But really, underlying everything we do here is very serious because for many, eternity is at stake, heaven and hell. And in 30 years of youth ministry and family ministry, I have seen lives literally destroyed Drugs, everything. Family issues, marriages, right? People devoured. People devoured. So there's a very serious side to what we do when we open the word of God. And, and Warren Wiersbe says this. He says, the danger on the battlefield is that we do not take the enemy seriously and therefore fail to put on all of the armor. Right, And as we were going through the Armor series back in 2021, I asked us the question for us as a church family, how many of us when we wake up in the morning are cognizant of the spiritual warfare that we're walking into, that we just woke up into, and actually consciously say, Lord, I'm putting on the full armor today? Or how many of us just kind of waltz into a day, really not even consciously aware that we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare 24-7, 365? Because we are. Because we are, and there's a very serious, sobering part to this. Because the world and the flesh and the devil, they come at you constantly. Constantly. Right? How many of you have been doing really well with the Lord, and one or two things just happen out of the blue? Anyone ever have anything happen out of the blue, and it just trips you up and sends you reeling down the rabbit? You know, like, what just happened? Right? Well, the enemy is like, they know your weaknesses. They know you're, where you're vulnerable. They know what it takes, right? When we were going through it, I shared before, talked about temptation, you know. I like to fish, and when you fish, you know, out at of, out of the islands, depending on what the captain says, what kind of fish are around there, you change the bait and you change the lure, right, for what kind of fish you're going for. Well, in the same way, the enemy knows, you know, I think I want to fish for Reagan. What do I need in my tackle box? Right? Oh, look, there's a Wayne. I'm going to... Oh, wait, Wayne needs an anchovy. I get an anchovy from Wayne. <laughs> Wayne likes live bait, live bait, you know? What will it take? What's, what's, what's the enemy got to just float in front of you? Because he knows. The question is, do you know? The question is, do you go forth every day in the knowledge and awareness 
that there is an enemy and that we are in a battle. And so when we come here, we open up the word of God because it is the sword of the spirit. I love this quote by J. Hampton Keithley. He says, if I were the devil, I would do my best to divide and fragment the thinking of the church of Jesus Christ. I would try to get God's people confused as to who they are and why they are here. I would try to get them preoccupied with other things. I would try to get them to live independently, to think like the world thinks, to think like the natural man thinks in the futility of his mind. In other words, I would like to keep people away from serious involvement with the word of God. I would want to keep their relationship to God's word superficial and secondary. Someone has said that the adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. But he also has a number of cultural values or belief systems, actually illusions and snares, that he uses to confuse and manipulate the church so that it must of necessity fail in its calling and purpose whenever it operates under these illusions. See, one of the primary strategies of the enemy is to keep you out of the word of God. And I like what he says here, superficial and secondary. Superficial and secondary. Now, we talked about last week about that we're called to not just be hearers of the word, but also doers. So if we're coming to church and you're just taking notes and thinking that you heard it, well, that's kind of superficial. If you're thinking that that's enough, right? And then I like what he says here, and secondary. And this is what we really have to guard against, especially with the internet and all the resources available, that we become dependent on secondary sources rather than the Holy Spirit. Rather than us primarily opening the Word of God and reading about it, what is a secondary source? Podcasts, books, listening to sermons online. Nothing wrong with that unless... You become dependent on secondary authors to tell you about the Word of God versus you digging into the Word of God. Right? That goes back to this. At a certain point, if you're in a war, you have to learn how to wield this. You can't, read, you can't watch enough podcasts and read enough manuals and have a whole bunch of people tell you about this, if you're in war and this is your primary weapon, you got to learn how to use this yourself. Yourself. That's basic training. That's fundamentals. Drilling over and over and over. That's why they work out, because Reagan knows this thing weighs a couple pounds. And so at a certain point, we as, as believers have to take responsibility to learn how to wield and use the sword of the Spirit ourselves. But what happens because of our technology and everything out there, we start consuming vast amount of information and we call it good. We call it good. Again, that would be the same as me watching podcasts and YouTubes and reading books about how to use this. And then going out to war thinking because I watch podcasts and read books that I know how to use this. That's going to go bad really quickly. Well, well, the author said, well, did you ever try it? Did you ever train with it? Did you ever hold it yourself? Did you ever learn how to use it? No, but the author said, just follow these three steps. Right? We've become so, everything is steps, steps, steps. Three quick, easy ways to earn money, get a job, find a relationship. Everything's five to ten steps these days. Right? We want the quick solution. We want the microwave Christianity. You just pop it in and we come out like Jesus. Right? It's not the way it works. We are in spiritual war and every believer needs to learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit for yourself. For the sake of your marriage and for the sake of every one of your kids. You're a parent, you need to learn how to wield this thing for the sake of your kids because there's a culture out there and there's a devil that wants to devour your kids. Just turn on the news. Kids across this country and across this planet are getting devoured by what's going on, right? And if you think it's cultural, you're missing the whole spiritual side. There is a spiritual darkness and depravity that has been unleashed on this culture. Like a lid has been removed and darkness is just 
going crazy. Now, we, it manifests in different things, but, but don't get caught up necessarily, right? Sometimes the devil says, look here, look here, don't look here. Look here, look here at all the issues. Don't look here at really what's behind it all. And what's behind it all is a devil that wants to devour souls. It's going to manifest in a whole lot of things you see in the news and in the culture. But that's all. Look over here. Get mad at this person. Get mad at this party. Get mad. Get mad over here. The devil wants you to look over here and not really see who's pulling the real strings. The powers and principalities of darkness are really pulling the strings. Because at its core, we are in a spiritual war. And every believer is responsible and needs for yourself, for the sake of your family, your friends, you need to learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it, it, might take, it takes time, right? I just shared last week. When I became a believer, I didn't, I didn't have, even own a Bible until I became a believer, Right? So if you feel like you're just kind of a novice, great. Keep coming here. we got a whole bunch of old timers. Okay, Ernie, thank you for that, you know. I wasn't thinking of you, Ernie, but if you would like to own that, that's fine. Right? If you're like, I want to learn the Bible, and we got a lot of, of captains and drill sergeants and sergeant majors around here that would love to come alongside some new, new recruits and teach you the basics of how to use the sword. That's what we're called to do is make disciples. Making disciples includes helping one another to become well-versed and well-trained in the Word of God. Amen? That's what we do. We come alongside. So today, having laid the, the importance of the, the, the seriousness of this, I want to kind of give you some helps to get, kind of get you going. with what When I was in youth ministry... We would do little Bible games and Bible challenges and stuff, and we would call them sword drills. We would call them sword drills. So I want to help you today with some sword drills and some basic Bible knowledge to help all of us become better skilled swordsmen. Amen? Right? So some of this will be basic, and if it is, great. Chalk it up to being basic, and maybe God will have you take someone through basic training. Okay? So, so fundamentally, if you didn't know this, there are two words. In, the, in, in John 1... One, it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that word for word there in the Greek is logos. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. Okay? So that's one Greek word for word. In Ephesians 6.17, the passage we just read, look what it says. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. So there's two Greek words for word in reference to Scripture. Lagos refers to the totality of Scripture. Rhema refers to specific Scriptures for specific situations. This is where we get into the battle part. Okay, I like what Ray Stedman says this. The word logos refers to the total utterance of God, the complete revelation of what God said. The second word rhema means a specific saying of God, a passage or a verse that has special application to an immediate situation. It implies a use of the word of God that is applied to a specific experience in our lives. This is what happened when Jesus was tempted by Satan, right? Satan would come at him in Matthew 4, and what was Jesus' response three times? It is, it is written. Satan came with a temptation, and Jesus' response using the sword of the Spirit was, he said, it is written. He gave a specific biblical response to the temptation, right? He didn't just say this, Eileen, can I borrow your... He didn't just say, oh, get away from me, devil, because it says somewhere in the Bible that I'm not to give in to temptation somewhere, just somewhere, because I believe this is the God's word, but somewhere in here, I'm, I'm supposed to not give in. No. Right? He gave a specific 
biblical response to a specific situation, specific temptation. He knew how to use the sword of the Spirit. So here, yes, we profess this is the Word of God. Lagos, authoritative, God-breathed, inspired by God. That's all Lagos. But what I'm talking about today is taking it to the next level, level of rhema, where you and I become committed, enthusiastic, to know how to use it in specific situations. How many of you have ever been in a, in a discussion, maybe a debate, maybe a temptation, and somewhere a verse came to you? Anyone? Anyone? Like a zinger verse. You're like, that's rhema. That's rhema. We saw last week that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So when you become proficient, knowledgeable and proficient in the word of God, you know, you go out there and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you become rhema. You start using the word of God strategically, specifically in discussions and in dealing with temptations and even dealing with direct demonic attack. You're using the word of God and that's called rhema. That's what we've got to do. That's the place where we've got to get to, right? 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That applies to all of us. Do your best to present yourself to God, right? Be diligent. Be diligent. How many of you remember taking the driver test, DMV, first time? What were you doing there? You showed up to show yourself approved to the state of California that you should get a license, right? So they take you through this little course wherever you went. Person, how many of you were nervous? Didn't even talk, didn't even look forward. You're just like, right? Not sure if you passed till the very end. Right? What were you doing? You showed up at the DMV to take this test and hopefully be approved, right? To show yourself approved that, boom, license. You can drive all by yourself now, right? In the same way, we are to have the same desire to show up. And God says, okay, show me what you got. Let's take a test. Let's take a sword test. Show me, show me if you... Uh, if I can say that you rightly handle this. Show me if you rightly handle this. Because that's, that's a calling for all of us. To be able to rightly handle this. We all profess that it is logos. It is the word of God. But really, we're called to know it in the rhema level. To be able to apply specific scriptures in the correct context to specific situations in your life and the lives of others. That's someone who rightly divides. When it says rightly handling the word of truth, the word picture is a farmer plowing a straight furrow, just a straight line. And they're, they're calling us to be able to use the word of God so when we use it, we do it straight, accurately, right? In context, interpreted correctly. Stephen Cole says this, So many Christians are haphazard and lazy rather than diligent in their approach to God's word. They don't systematically read, study, or memorize it. If they read it at all, they jump from passage to passage, pulling verses out of context. They aren't seeking to know God and how he wants them to think, to believe, and to relate to others. Their lives and relationships are falling apart but they don't search diligently to discover what God's word tells them to do about these problems. Right? Now, some of you might be in God's word and you're in studies, and that's awesome. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. But for some of us, that's a check. That's a check. And the check is, that's why I love this. That's why I keep this in my office. It just reminds me, A, it's real, and B, how are you doing? in your own sword skills, in your own sword drills? Have I become complacent? Have I become sort of lazy after all these years, even in my own walk? Do I know how to still wield it as it should be, right? 
So we have to have this heart desire. We have to go from Lagos to Rhema. Okay, that's, that's step number one, just to help you understand. Okay? Number two is there's a difference between what we call exegesis and eisegesis. Super important. Okay? So Lagos versus Rhema. Number two, exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay? So there's a slide. I think exegesis means to lead out of. Eisegesis is to lead into. Okay, that's what those mean. So if we're going to rightly handle the word of truth, we have to be committed to what we, that's called exegesis. What is exegesis? Exegesis is that we let scripture speak out of scripture. Scripture speaks for itself. Okay? We submit to what scripture says, even if we don't particularly like it. It kind of like rubs us the wrong way, but we just saw it's God's authority, right? So exegesis says, this is God's word. I want to know what God's word says. I submit to what God's word says. I want to know what the Bible says about this. That's exegesis, the Bible speaking out of itself. Eisegesis is where we get into trouble. Eisegesis says, what do I think about this? What's my opinion? And let me find some verses to back up what I already think. That is so prevalent. And that is where we get into twisting and, and what we call proof texting. And we find verses to fit our position, our already established position. And we take verses out of context to support our already established opinion. That's eisegesis, and that is incorrect. That is not the way that you wield the word of God accurately. Okay? One of the things we have to guard against, even in small groups, even in small groups, I'm going to tell you right now, this is something I've seen where you have to be very careful. Sometimes you're doing a Bible passage, and the question goes like this. Hey, let's just go around. What does this verse mean to you? Yeah, be very careful when you ask that question. Because really what the question should be is, what does, God, what does God mean by this verse, and how does it apply to you? You see the difference between many applications and one meaning? Right? How many of you have ever had somebody put words in your mouth and say, well, this is what Amanda really means. And you're like, that's not what I meant. Anyone ever say, that's not what I meant? Right? Well, I got to believe that Father will oftentimes be eavesdropping in on Bible studies, and someone will share what that, by, that, that verse means to them, and by, Father's up there, that's not what I meant. Hey, angels, that is not what I meant. It does not mean that. That's eisegesis. What you want to do is you want to discover what Father meant... And then what Father meant, there can be 50 applications to what Father meant. Amen? But you can't take it out of context and make it. It's like one that's taken out of context a ton is Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. you got to know context. Paul is talking about trials and tribulations and having to be content. He knows how to be content to have plenty or little. Here's eisegesis. Hey, man. That says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. After service, I'm slam dunking at 10 feet. Put the rim up there, man. Right? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to slam. I'm going to dunk a basketball at legit 10 feet height today. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's eisegesis. That's taking that verse way out of context, right? You have to be really careful because I'm going to be honest with you. You could put that hoop probably at seven feet, and I'm still not dunking, <laughs> right? It's not going to happen. At my age and my physical ability, I can quote Philippians 4.13 all I want about I can do all things through Christ, but... At 57, I am not slam dunking a 10-foot rim. But what happened? God said I could do all things 
the Bible's not true. That's not even what the verse meant. But that's what's out there in the culture. You got to be really careful when you're on YouTube and all your podcasts and everything like that, because there are people just throwing out eisegesis and it's prosperity gospel and it's what you want to hear. And God is your Santa Claus and God is going to give you everything you want. And they're not even they're not even doing exegesis. They're twisting scripture to think to get me to think that after service today, I can slam dunk on a 10 foot rim because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. That's not even what he's. But that happens. You have to know the context of the immediate. That was a letter to the Philippians. You have to know that verse, what comes before and after it. And then here's the important thing. You have to know the meaning of that verse in the context of the whole Bible, because scripture will never contradict scripture. God will never contradict himself. So if you're struggling with the meaning of something, you might have to go all the way back to, well, let's see what the all of Scripture says. Because God is never going to contradict himself. Amen? you got to know that. But sometimes it's not an issue of you knowing what it means. It's an issue of submitting to it. Like, uh, that's what that means? Oh, I like my version better. Right? Right? Because sometimes we can be very... We're not careful, right? We get the new King Marvin version, you know, and the, and the new King Lynn, right? Right, and the new, the new King Bill, and we, re- we write scripture to our own liking because we're now become the author. That's all eisegesis. That's false. Exegesis is, it's the word of God. I'm going to submit to its truth and its authority. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk in obedience. That's exegesis. Okay, so if you want to rightly divide the word of God, you go from Logos to Rima. But once you get into Rima, you got to be committed to exegesis, not eisegesis. If you do those two things, man, you're going to have a firm foundation. You are going to have a solid foundation. Okay, because even in the church right now, it is all about self and eisegesis and twisting scripture to suit your needs. And when God doesn't come through, then you quit going to church, you quit reading the Bible, and you're all mad at God, and you're all mad at the church. Why? Because he didn't come through because I couldn't slam dunk at 10 feet. So it must all be a lie. That's what happens. That's what happens. So be very careful. Logos to Rima, exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay? You get those two foundations, you're going to start wielding the word of God powerfully and accurately, okay? Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I love this. If you want to become someone, a really good swordsman, Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What that means is, hey, the word of God should make its home, should take up residence. Richly. Richly. How how much are you in the word? How much do you invite the word in? Do you just, we're talking even quantity now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. I'm hoping it's more than just Sunday mornings. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and let it make its home in your life, okay? Rick Renner says this. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Throw open the doors. Roll out the red carpet. Give it a grand reception. If you let the word dwell in you this way, it will produce an amazing amount of spiritual wealth in your life. Amen? Come on, just maybe into 2024. Drive the stake in the ground. Every once in a while, we throw out reading plans. I think they're still on the website. There's reading plans. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. you got to get in in there. Right? Versus, you know, how many of us have spent countless hours on the TV, letting the TV dwell in us richly, letting TikTok dwell in us richly, letting YouTube dwell in us richly, letting video games dwell in us richly, Right? We let a whole lot of things dwell in us richly. Maybe it's time to be honest and say, I need to let the word of God dwell in me richly. Which means I'm going to turn off YouTube and TikTok and video games. All right? And if that's necessary, just elbow someone, say, told you. 
Or if you sit next to them, you know? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Memorization. Oh, I knew it. I thought I was done with that. Learned the ABCs and I called it good. Memorization. Yes. Yes. You never get too old to memorize the word of God. Right? That's healthy for the brain. It's healthy for the brain. Look at Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. That what? I might not sin against you. Memorization. Memorization. Make a plan. One a week. That would be 52 a year. That's a little too big. How about one a month? That's 12. One a quarter? One half a year? Do something. Get a buddy. 2024. Find someone. Hey, we're going to memorize a verse a month. Right? A little accountability. Come alongside. Sword drills. Got to get it in there. Got to get it in there. That's part of letting the, word, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That could be reading, and that's all kind of the quantity in. Memorization starts to hammer at home, okay? And then meditation. Okay, now everyone's like, hold on here. We're talking biblical meditation. Everyone say biblical, biblical. meditation. Okay. So we let the word of Christ do all this ritually. We begin and we commit to memorize it. And then the Bible itself says we're to meditate on it. Okay, and we're going to look at that. Psalm 119. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 145. Oh, the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. Okay. We all know we live in the Ohio Valley. Right? Spiritual, very spiritual place. So when we say the word meditate in an evangelical church, I know some hair Psalm 119 and Psalm 145, God himself calls us to meditate on his word. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's the deal. Eastern meditation is about emptying. It's about emptying your mind. Now, that's dangerous because an empty mind, you can open yourself up to some spiritual warfare, right? So Eastern meditation at its core is about emptying. If you know anything about that, I remember when I was in college and seeking and all this, I got all kinds of stuff, got involved in that. Eastern meditation at its core, in general, is about an emptying of the mind, right? Biblical meditation is this, filling the mind with the word of God. That's all it is. Okay, so we don't have to be afraid of the word. You don't have to like think that, oh, the well's gone all wacky because Pastor Richie talked about meditation. We're talking biblical meditation, which is not emptying, but filling with the word of God. Amen. That's what it is. That's, that's all it is. Right. Thomas Turan says this. Unlike Eastern meditation, there is no hint in the Bible that meditation is an esoteric practice that requires instruction by gurus and special techniques for controlling one's breathing, repeating mantras, descending inward, etc. Rather, the Bible's picture is of an activity that is straightforward and accessible to every believer. Okay, so you got to put off all the candles and all the incense and all that kind of stuff, and that's all in TV and movies, and it's you know part of it in the Eastern. I get that, right? I understand that. That is not what we're talking about. In fact, here's well, here's this: How many of you have ever worried? Worried? How many of you have ever gotten into something and someone said something to you that made you angry or hurt your feelings and for the next five days you keep saying, I can't believe they said that. And Anyone? I can't believe they said that. How could she say? How many of you have repeated what they said over and over? Right? How many of you are worried again? How many have been worried about something and it just would not, and you, and you couldn't let it go? How many have just, just fixated on something and it caused you to worry? 
Welcome to the world of biblical meditation. If you have worried and been fixated on something, and if you have ever been upset or in a conflict and you've ruminated and repeated something someone said to you over and over and over and over, welcome to meditation. That's all it is. You're already doing it. It's just not focused in the right place. Biblical meditation is running the Word of God over and over and over. That's all it is, okay? So we don't have to be afraid of it. The word picture, okay, even the biblical word picture is a cow and cud. How many of you are familiar with a cow and its cud, right? What does a cow do? Get some grass, chomps on it, goes boom, right? What happens to that lump of grass after a while? Come right back up. And what does it do when it comes right back up? Yeah, it chews it some more. And it goes right back down. That's the cud. What is the point of a cow chewing its cud? To get everything it can out of that one quantity of grass. That's why it does it. Up and down the elevator, the stomach elevator, right? Go back down. It's trying to get everything out of that. That's biblical meditation. You get a scripture and you ruminate on it and you think about it, right? Dawson Trotman says this, right? A cow eats grass as it grazes early in the morning. When the sun gets hot, it will lie in the shade of a tree. And through the use of a unique elevator system, it will bring up the grass from one's stomach and thoroughly masticate or chew it. When this is finished, it will put it into another stomach, having gotten from it everything possible in the way of nutrients. I love that. That's biblical meditation. You, you, you get a word of God, a passage, maybe an entire book, and you just chew on it. Right? How many have ever said, let me think about that to someone. Let me chew on that. That's generation. I don't want to say, let me chew on that for a little bit. How many have ever gotten gum? And like the flavor's like, man, what happened? That was like done, right? You chew it and the flavor's gone. It's like, what happened? Well, you got all the flavor out of it. If we're going to rightly handle the word of God, we got to let it dwell in us ritually. We got to be committed to memorizing it. And then we got to meditate on it. Ruminate on it. Chew on it. Right? Psalm 77, 12. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 63. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Those are the things we're supposed to be thinking about. But you could rewrite that. Whatever makes me angry. Whatever my finances are, whatever my health situation is, whatever, whatever, whatever. How many of us, you look at that list and like, that is nowhere near the list I tend to think about. Because we're, 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 our list, what we tend to dwell on are negative, hurtful, fearful, anxious causing things, right? Biblical medita- meditation is us choosing, choosing to focus on God's word. And our thoughts on him his character, his word, right? If you will do that, just watch what happens in your own countenance. Some of you are going to be walking around with that smile on your face and people are like, what are you smelling at? You're like, I don't know. Right? I don't know. I remember I was at a, I was at a church one time and I, you know, if you guys know me, I kind of think about things and when things happen, I kind of go into my own world, Right? And, and one of the pastors says, dude, you got to be careful because you walk around here and I know and we know that you're, you're thinking about things, but you just kind of look like you're angry all the time. And I was like, what? Because, yeah, dude, you walk around here and, and we know you got stuff going on and you're thinking about work and all the stuff. But when you walk around, you're so focused and you just kind of go. And I send off this, this vibe because I'm ruminating, I'm meditating on work, nothing, it's ministry stuff, but I'm not realizing that the vibe that it's sending off, right? And so for some of us, the catch-all, the application would be, Lord, 
What would happen to my countenance and just how people perceive me if I would choose to meditate on you and on your word instead of all the circumstances and all the negativity in my life? What would happen? Right? Again, some of your kids would be like, Mom, why you got that weird smile on your face? You're like, I love you. You know, Things will happen if we just become aware of what we're meditating on because we're constantly thinking about something. Right? Just maybe ask yourself today, the rest of the day, catch yourself at lunch or 4 o'clock. Say, what, am I med- what have I been thinking about the last hour? Okay? John Piper says this. I really like this. Our lives are unbelievably distracted. We are experts at multitasking, surfing, and skimming. But it is harder than ever to meditate. Therefore, it is imperative to intentionally cultivate meditation on God's word. But how? I call it going out to pasture. Resting and ruminating like a cow chewing on the word of God. Savoring it for the sake of life. If possible, find a consistent time and place place and plan. Then read slowly and carefully. Reread and reread. Read out loud. Read prayerfully. Read with a pen in hand. Memorize texts that you read. Right? I love that. Go out to pasture. Go take a walk. We live in such a beautiful valley. Go take a walk and ruminate on God's word, not on what's bugging you. Right? Walk around your block. You might meet some neighbors. Right? I love Pastor Tyler, right? He takes his dog for a walk. He's now like the pastor of Valley Meadow. Everybody knows Tyler. He walks around with Roscoe and everything. He's just gotten to know people. Maybe if you go out into your neighborhoods and you're just ruminating and chewing on God's word, you might make a friend. Go on the bike path. Go off shelf. There's so many areas around here. We live in such a beautiful place. Go out and chew on God's word out in, in, the, in the valley. See what God does. See what God does, okay? And then finally, the blessings of biblical meditation. Look at this. I love this. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. How many of you would like to spiritually prosper in 2024? Right? I love that word picture, right? It's not some quick step, quick fix thing. It's like, no, this is a dude who has made a decision to meditate constantly on God's word and the promise here, in all that he does, he prospers. That's not financial prosperity. That's just like life spiritual prosperity. In fact, Ray Pritchard says it this way. They prosper in the sense that no matter what happens, they find strength for the day and hope in the midst of the hardest difficulties. They bring forth godly fruit in good times and bad times. Why? Because they are planted deep in the good soil and their roots reach out to the water of the word of God. Finding constant nourishment therein, they can face whatever life throws at them. How many of you into 2024 would like to face boldly, courageously, with strength and joy, whatever God has for you? Amen? There's your vision. There's your vision. There's our vision for us as a church. We rightly handle the Word of God, right? We understand Lagos and Remus. We understand exegesis as a priority. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We memorize it. We're meditating on it. And you know what that results? We're going to prosper. This church, you and your life spiritually, this church as a whole, we are going to move into 2024 and we are going to prosper in our relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we are going to be equipped to handle whatever happens on this planet in 2024. Going into 2024, we don't have to fear anything that happens on this planet. Nothing. We will be ready for the new year, individually and as a church family. Financially, whatever happens, we are going to prosper spiritually in 2024 as a church family. And we're going to do it together. We're going to help one another, right? Some of you, you've been wielding a sword for many years, and it's time to come alongside others. We're in boot camp, the new recruits, 
Teach them basic structure, 66 books, old and new, right? Three times nine is 27, right? Some of you in 2024, maybe we'll have a prize, Mark, if you memorize all 66 books of the Bible. A prize. And a wanna vest and you get a jewel. An adult jewel, a crown that says, I memorized all 66 books of the Bible. Some of you are like, I'll give you five. I'll give you the first and the last. Genesis, dot, 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 revelation. Maybe it's 66. Maybe you memorize it. Why not? Right? If you're in the military and they give you the, the weapon, you know it inside and out. You know how to take it apart. You know everything about that. Because in the heat of battle, you got to know it, right? Well, there's part of us in the Bible. We got to know the Bible. We got to know the structure, the history. How did we even get the Bible? What does it mean that it was inspired and that people wrote as a Holy Spirit inspired? You got to know this. It's important because it helps your confidence. It helps you become a good swordsman. To rightly handle it, even knowing the structure, even memorizing the 66 books, right? So I encourage us at the adult level, don't relegate all of those Bible facts to VBS and the little ones. Because we tend to do that. And we graduate. We stop memorizing. And we get, no, no, no. Maybe we just need to come back and enjoy learning again. Enjoy learning about the Bible, the book. Amen? So we'll start with uh, announcements. Since I'm standing here, I think we'll do men's ministry. Um, You were alerted last week uh, that we did have the M6 event that was here at the church a few weeks ago released on YouTube. If you haven't taken advantage of looking that over, that's a uh, terrific representation of what occurred here that night. Uh, Moving forward, two weeks from yesterday, Saturday, December the 9th, Men will meet in the parking lot here at 7.30, and we're going to take an excursion down to Bass Pro in Rancho Cucamonga. If you are an outdoors person of any measure, there is something for you in that area. There's a creek that runs through the store full of fish. I have it on good authority because I called and checked it out. Santa Claus will be in the house from open to close. So you dads that would love to demonstrate your spiritual leadership in your home, take your young children to see Santa, do some shopping, give mom a break. But if mom wants to go, you're welcome to go too, if the whole family would love to go. Uh, This event is costing the church nothing. We're driving on our own, we're eating on our own, everything's happening on our own. But what are we doing down there? We're going to take God's love as a church family, men, families, whatever it takes, and we're going to share God's love with people at Bass Pro by being polite and kind to the guy that doesn't bring the right shoe size out and people at the counter and people that are waiting. We're just going to be a representative of Jesus Christ in the marketplace as we go out. Might get some Christmas shopping done. Oh, And we'll eat pastrami at the hat right across the street from the Bass Pro when we're done. With an entire fair, they have everything but like salad or healthy stuff. There's none of that. But there's all kinds of other stuff that's going on. It's really, really, really good. So I want to just bring your attention to that. So uh, Kathy, she's got something far more serious than pastrami. And shorter. (laughs) Okay, this is just a quick reminder that we are having our women's ministry Christmas brunch this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. And we'd like you all to come. Uh, There's lots of you who have signed up already. Uh, There's a few that have signed up online. I tried to reply to those, but that doesn't work. So you are signed up if you have um, signed up online. Um, And we just love for you to come and bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring someone in your family. Um, And it should be a lot of fun. We have a lot of food. 
we're going to have some games, uh, have a few gifts that we're going to make for other people. So it should be a lot of fun and great time to be together and bringing people together too. So thank you. Betty is next. Good morning. Um, triple C. This is time of the year to start thinking about, and that's continue. It's triple C. <laughs> Every year for years, we have made up a basket of all kinds of things that all of these people that live there, the men and the women, that we put in a basket for them so they can um, just have a nice gift from, from all of us. And the things that we need is small items. The hand lotion, chapstick, shampoo, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush, only the single wrap toothbrush, and hair clips for the ladies, and any little things like that. If you could bring them and put them in the trunk, you know our famous trunk out there we fill up, it's filled, well, we can't really fill it up all these small things, but let's do the best we can. So thank you for helping us with this. And if you have any questions, see me after church. Thank you, Betty. Um, just a couple of final announcements. Um, we partner with uh, Prison Fellowship every year uh, to participate in their Angel Tree Ministry. This is an opportunity to buy Christmas gifts for children of uh, incarcerated men or women uh, who either aren't there or perhaps don't even have the financial resources to kind of uh, do things for their kids. So next Sunday, uh, Aubrey Norris, who's not here today, I don't see her back there, um, is going to have 13 little cards that we get from uh, uh, a prison fellowship for Angel Tree. And you can take one of those cards. It's very specific about the name and the age of the child and even some of the things that the child wants. So we have 13 of those. We'd love to give them all away next Sunday, so be prepared. We'll remind you next Sunday, but just telling you in advance. So Angel Tree, Aubrey, 13 next Sunday. Um, lastly is our Christmas Eve series uh, service. Christmas falls on a Monday uh, this year, and typically we have an evening Christmas Eve service, but because Christmas Eve day is now Sunday, we're actually going to do the Christmas Eve service Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So there is not going to be a Christmas Eve evening, Sunday evening service like we would normally do on the day before Christmas. So uh, Christmas Eve service, candlelight, all the different things that we do in that Christmas Eve service are going to take place Sunday morning, the 24th at 10 a.m. here.